That's what I forgot, Mark. You ready? Yeah. In three, two, one. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And am I pointing at it? Does it look like I'm pointing at it? You're on the opposite side, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh -huh. What's up, everybody? Uh, hopefully, you guys like the new digs. If you like it, go ahead and hit the like button. And uh, I think it's somewhere down. I'm confused now. Here. No, I don't know where anything. Somewhere down that. below. Um, but thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Come Up Series, a.k.a. The Av. Hope you guys like it. Hope you guys like the new digs. JoLynn, how are you doing today first before we get into all the hoopla and everything else? Because, you know, some of us are still waiting in the waiting room, listening to nice elevator music. That's hilarious. I'm parched. Um, I left my water in, in the kitchen, so. Do we need to, like, run another intro so that way you can go get some water? <laughs> No, I'll I'll get it I'll get it right at the. Um, don't worry, I'll find it. I'll find a time for you to sneak in and get it. So don't worry, I got you, I got you covered. <laughs> but other than that, no, I'm great. I'm great. You know, like it's a fine Tuesday per use. I'm doing great. Doing great. Okay. How are you doing? I am fantastic. You know, a lot's been going on in the startup world, which oh, when I can't you, wait to talk about that. When are you delivering my shoes? Uh, excuse me? The patent joint's right behind you. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with an absolutely not because these One of those coming over gift. here. <laughs> no, Marcus ain't on me. I am not. No, 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 no. So there's a story <laughs> behind the patent leather Jordan's story. Okay. And I, I, you know what? I'm going to definitely tell you guys now. So it starts off with. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about it today. <laughs> That's for another day. But I definitely will. Like somebody remind me in the comments section to like maybe two weeks from now, I'll definitely tell you the story of the patent leather Jordan story. It's a very tragic story, but you know, all in all, oh, wow. it's okay. all good and all fun, but you know, Hey, you know, it's now back into the collection. So shout outs to that. I'm a huge fan. If you guys don't know, I love LeBron James shoes. And then on top of that, I love the Jordan one shoe every now and then I'll wear a space jam shoe uh, when like it's 1996. So but outside of that, not really a huge sneakerhead. So please, if you're a sneakerhead, please don't try to like, you know, hey, are you into the? No, that's it, that's as far as it goes. Um, but all right, so let's get into the nitty gritty because that's not the reason why you guys came here to hear about my spending. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about these markets and everything else in between that helps you on your wealth journey. So without further ado, what's up, everybody? I'm Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, co-creator. And all things galactic, but hey, yo, I see you in the white with the with the splash of lace. Give it up for none other than the angelic. No, oh, I like think now the angelic Jalenji C in the place to be. I'm feeling is that, is that because of the lace inspired? I'm just feeling very, you know, very light and airy. You know, I don't have too much to complain about, so I just feel very, you know, pearls and lace. You know what I'm saying? That's how I feel right now. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll take it. And that's dope. All right. So uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and hit that subscribe button down below because there's a ton of great content just for you. So that way you can learn. And on top of that, it's free. And because of the fact that it's free, I feel I'm just kidding. I think that it would be definitely warranted that you go ahead and smash that like button. So we got 310 people currently right now loading in. And so if each and every single one of you could just be so kind, just smash that like button. We would totally appreciate that. Just in the words of Joe Lynn, totally. All right. So, and on top of that, if you want to be in the know, like who was first today? Like, you know, who was first in line? Shout outs to Curtis Lane saying, hey, let's Curtis get it, cousins, because he had his bell on and he was ready and he had his, you know, it was either on the phone or the, the laptop or even on his television, whatever it was shout outs to you cousin curtis because you were ready and you were out here so we salute you all right so without further ado jolyn how did these markets do today first of all what does the cousins is jolyn gc in the place to be let's get into what these markets were looking like on this fine tuesday we got the dow coming in at negative one 
Um, which now leads us to, let me see, we're at 32,909.59. That's the level we're currently at. S&P 500 was negative 9.26. We are now at levels of 4,128.73. And the NASDAQ at a 0.00 percentage. But we are at negative uh, 0.27. So now we're at. That's not, that's, not, that, that's not something that we're very much so accustomed to, where the right. NASDAQ comes in at 0.00%. Yes. You know, message. All right. So 12,381.3 is zero. Levix heated up just a little bit at 24.11. And the 10 year Treasury note peaked its head above the 3% range, and it's at 3.055 percentage. And it was, you know, um flat it was unchanged from yesterday so just maintaining levels um we head on over to sector performance mark like i told you the other day that we talked about there are 11 sectors and we keep track of the yeah. top three and the bottom three so we can see what that rotation is looking like coming in in the number one spot we got energy followed by materials and consumer discretionary for the bottom three totally in the red Consumer, excuse me, communication services, health, and real estate. Now, heading over to our performance. If you don't know, it's okay. I noticed that there were a lot of new people in my DMs um, this week. And so, um, and they have you know, like newer questions. So welcome, hey. welcome. You may not know that we have a pick list, aka the SIPs, on our um, Instagram page at that come up series. And we have the oil ETF OIH coming in at 5.04 percentage points. XLE, this is the Van Vec, uh, ETF, a cousin to SMH, you know, that whole family over there. They have, let me see, XLE was at 3.61 percentage points to the upside. Then we have Devon, another oil-related company, coming in at 3.60 percentage points. So as you can see, oil and energy we're really dominating today. Now for our bottom, bottom three, we have um, ticker symbol UNH United Health negative 1.61 mm. percentage points. Then Home Depot negative 1.70 points, and Joanne was negative 2.14 percentage points, all to the downside. So Mark, that is what was going on. I will note that as you can tell, the top three. Um, we're all oil related. And so we're seeing, what are we seeing? We're seeing a broad based um, performance to the upside yes. all across. It's not just one company, it's several oil companies. And if I remember correctly, oil, uh, I was just looking this up the other day. Um, the oil sector is up over 80% year to date, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. So that's crazy. Like oil is up there and everyone else is either negative or they're trying to make their way or they're somewhere in the middle, but they don't have that type of performance. So very, very yeah. interesting. Well, it's, I think the interesting part to that is, as we saw that we were kind of constrained on the, we were a little bit constrained on the mm -hmm. side of production where mm -hmm. production was not as rampant um and that cause for when so just as a heads up when production is low prices go up when produ when production starts to increase then prices should start to go down now of course there's this little piece between ukraine and russia that's also causing issues within the supply and also export um as well as Nord stream pipeline being an issue and that's also causing significant shocks uh to the market as well but now that we start to see that production started to increase that's a direct correlation to where you saw those prices start to drop. Now, as we get prepared to go into the winter season where it's cold and essentially a lot of folks start to use oil and we're starting to notice that there is uh, issues across the entire global landscape outside of the United States where they're starting to be crunched for it. It's going to get a little bit interesting. So that's where you're probably starting to see that where oil is starting to find a little bit of its footing and potentially looking to make a rebound Mm. So, Mark, we had some questions today and we, you know, we had a request, Mark, um, for some old school flavor. 
heard. I heard. You know, what, yes. what, what, what kind of flavor are we going to give them, you know, this evening? You know, they were talking about, you know, some little some old school flavor in the form of a Trade Talk Tuesday, how that used to go. Oh, down. really? Yeah. And maybe, you know, top that off with a little um, old school hot take, you know, get into like some news in the market or whatever. Um, okay. So, that so was you guys want me to go back to being freestyle, Mark? <laughs> Okay. Well, I don't know what exactly they want you to go back into. I honestly think that a lot of people are um, just trying to find their way, like make some make something happen when we're kind okay. of like, this is the summer. You know what I mean? Like September is right around the corner. Everything is okay. slow. We're mid-year election. Like everything is slow. So I think people are like, you know, looking to make things happen. But Right now could also just be a time where you're, you know, just sharpening your skills while things are kind of low or you're just looking to see what you might have your eye on or, you know, assessing your portfolio, capital preservation, all those types of things. Um, but, yeah. So what do you say about that, Mark? You want to, you know, um, let's do it. You know, you know me. I'm always for the I'm always for the people and helping them learn and giving them some, you know, potentially some sage advice and in, in the perspective as it pertains for learning purposes. Mm -hmm. So, hey, let's yeah. do it. You know, yeah, where should we begin? Well, Ahmed brings up a good point about the low volume. We were talking about this before we came on camera. Um, and that's just indicative of really like the not only just seasonality, but consumer sentiment right now. So it's very chill. Very, very yeah, cool. I mean, and normally this is around the time where it's like you don't really see a lot of heavy volume. Mm -hmm. uh, so just remember this for for everybody out there that's a beginner. You're not going to really see a significant ex or exorbitant amount of volume within the markets between the months of July, August and September. Because just think about it, just like when you want to go on vacation, so too do, say, for example, folks that work on Wall Street. So you know, things are a little bit more quiet, a little bit more subdued. And then essentially, as we get back into the swing of things around late September, early October, that's when you start to see that things start to pick themselves right back up all over again. Mm -hmm. And then essentially carry us through all the way into the holiday season. And then it's like we kind of like take a break around the last week or so of the year. And then essentially we go right back to it. So, I mean, if you really think about the seasonality as it pertains to people and careers, then you can also kind of like match that to it. I know people are like, man, there's so many things that I have to align it to. But a good rule of thumb and how I started off was a lot of times what I would do is I would put together a diagram of literally just having column one, Q1, then Q2, Q3, Q4. And then I would talk about the, the different types of sectors that I expect or that that they do well during those quarters. And then on top of that, I talk about seasonality factors. So like an under seasonality factor, I mentioned like these are the types of things that naturally go on in the season. Um, what is it that people naturally do within the season? So that way it kind of like ties it in as it pertains to sentiment. So looking at consumer behavior, looking at also just, you know, typical corporate behavior, just typical human, you know, human life, like where it's like, you know, you work X amount of time and then you want to go on vacation. So those things start to matter where you start to see ramp ups and cycles start to literally take place. And then I started noticing that there is like points in time of, of overlap between quarters close to the end. And I would start to document exactly when those times are. And pretty soon you start to notice some significant trends within the marketplace. Now, is it completely 100% foolproof? Absolutely not. But it gives you an idea of kind of like what to look forward to each and every single fiscal year. I like it. That was a nice hot take. I'm out here. So, Mark, right. okay. we had questions, and then there are several things in the news. Um, okay. So, just right off top, the main companies I want to talk about that are in the news today, um, Intel, Apple, um, and Netflix. Okay, so let's let me load them up on my end. So, we've got, you said we got Intel? Yeah. Apple. Intel, Apple and Netflix. Hey, Apple and Netflix. So I'm going to have to just probably just do them one at a time, but oh, yeah, you know, totally. just bear with me. Okay. Which All right. So, first? you know, I came, you know, I came ready. So I'm not here Intel. for the play. So how, how do we want to do it? Okay. All let's right. So, first. 
Um, All right, so, so let me see if I can get it going up on my screen for everybody here. Let me know if you can see it. Yes. Um, and I'm actually going to put it up on full screen, so that okay, way they cool. also goes chill in an excuse to go get, get some water. water. Wait, but Mark, <laughs> before, you, before I get my water, um, yes. so this is, so you know that um, Intel and Brookfield basically, you know, ha have this financing deal, $30 billion to expand uh, chip factory in Arizona. Um, yep. We know that the CHIPS Act was passed and all that. So the question is, are we going to be seeing, should we be expecting more deals like this so that we can stay competitive when it comes to um, chip market? I think so. And I think the reason why we're going to get used to seeing that is because, well, I mean, let's back it up a little bit. Remember, it's Intel said that they were going to be investing $20 billion in expansion for uh, getting more so into like, you know, the not just the not just like what they do like AMD and Nvidia but more so into the fabrication so that way they become just as competitive as the TSMs and Samsungs of the world and I think it's SMIC of the world as well. So this gives Intel an opportunity but you know when times is tough and when you're starting to you know run into tough times and you don't want to spend exorbitant amounts of cash that you're definitely going to need it always makes sense to also partner up with people. Here's the one thing to know about rich about rich folks as well as you know they operate a lot like companies. People in whom wish that are wealthy, we don't spend our own money. <laughs> Just oh, so, and there's a request for uh, Tesla. Okay, so now I got the chart blown up here. So looking at the chart for Intel, so here is Intel on a year to date. So clearly we've been seeing a lot of pain here for Intel. And so far we have not seen anything in Intel's chart that solidifies that the trend itself has been broken. We are still, we are still steadily in a downward spiral for Intel. If we look at it on a five-year chart though. So we've kind of come down to those five-year like lows for Intel. And this is really where I would probably start to see if Intel can hold at this level. So the level that you really want to look for for Intel is really, can it really hold this 34 or this, you know, this 33 level? And if it can't, then we're probably going to go down a little bit lower. Um, one of the things that I will say is we're going to probably go through this rough patch here between 33 and about 38.50 um, when it comes to Intel. Um, and then once when we can break past this, then essentially we're going to start seeing more of that upward spiral or that upward incline. But remember, this is a company that says that it's going to take them five years in order for them to get back on track and for them to see their, their investments start to solidify. Intel has a chip by the name of the Intel Arc, which is their graphics uh, card that they created. I don't want to go too shady on Intel today, so I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it kosher, but I'm just gonna say, you know, it's a start. It's a it's a nice start. And the reason why I'm not going so hard on Intel because of the fact that we need to see competition. When you don't see competition, then the innovation itself starts to slow down. So those are one of the things that we definitely want to pay attention to for Intel. But remember. This is a company that has already told you it's going to take them five years. So is this a port and where you want to look at it as it pertains to accumulation? Well, I mean, look at it like this. We're sitting at the 2016 and 2018 levels or 2017 levels for Intel. So for me personally, if this were me, I would definitely be looking at this as a strong buying opportunity for myself and start adding some of this into my portfolio. Now, am I going to throw the whole bag at Intel? Absolutely not. Um, this would be something that I would say, okay, hey, I would start a position and then kind of wait and see and, and kind of like see, okay, hey, well, what are some of the, what are some of the indicators that I'm getting from the company that's letting me know that there's somewhere of somewhat of a turnaround in sight. Um, those are the things in which that everybody is looking at because, you know, Pat has walked in, he's had a long road to follow after the previous act. And so now it's like, you got to give him some time. Now, is he going to have that same type of timeline? That, you know, like, for example, when Lisa Sue came into AMD, she literally got like boots to the ground and got running. I'm waiting to see what Intel can come forth with. But I think that their biggest play is probably going to be their chip making business where they start working with other providers or with other chip with other chip companies. I think that that's going to be their name to the game and also allows them to get into the auto space. But I feel I really feel bad for this company um, because there was a lot of just mismanagement and everything else. But. 
I would say that the story is not completely over. I think that an AMD and an NVIDIA need Intel in order to essentially, one, solidify their pl- continue to solidify their place in the market, and then, two, to solidify that, you know, again, that there's competition so that way you get effective pricing and consumers are happy, and when consumers are happy, the entire industry flourishes. Okay. What's so- the next company? Um, Apple. So, okay. There's a lot of things with Apple. So one, so a couple, I think this was, I want to say this was in 2020 or maybe early 2021. We talked about Apple and moving their manufacturing, um, to India, like especially in the context of the U S China war, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, we mentioned India and Vietnam. Yes. So, Apple was in the news about um, saying after the iPhone 14 manufacturing of the iPhone will all be in India. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting, especially when you look in the context of um, Taiwan Semiconductor talk, giving like basically giving warnings about the impact of any U.S. China, or it's not U.S. China, sorry, Taiwan and China um, war or mm-hmm. any fallout. And so it, when we look at, in, or not Intel, excuse me, when we look at Apple being a leader mm-hmm. and how when things were going down with the supply chain issues, how they had, were already thinking ahead. And so is there anything else from that context that you're gleaning from Apple's move? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like the writing was kind of like on the wall, you know, r- around the time that like, because a company like Apple... They don't take th- they don't take kindly to threats, <laughs> even if it's directly or indirectly. Mm-hmm. They do not take kindly to it. And if you're looking at one of the best, lo- you're looking at one of the best logistics companies in the world and, and from the supply from a supply chain and as well as just getting product out. Um, and they have a lot of pricing power um, because of the cash reserves that they have. And then on top of that, what they do for businesses as well as like countries. But like any other company, you know, China is also starting to get more expensive. Mm. And when you start like, you know, think about a lot of the clothes that are made that were once upon a time where nobody could touch China's manufacturing as it pertains to making clothes. Now you're starting to see clothes made in other places because of the fact that one is cheaper. It's definitely cheaper to go there. Um, And then on top of that, too, it's like. There becomes red tape after a while when it, when you start to when the economics start to get better then the red tape starts to also get a little bit more thicker and i think for apple it's like it makes sense because of, of course they're protecting their bottom line they're also protecting so many other there's so many there's already so many variables there but it's like we can't just look at it as just china and taiwan as the major factor for for apple to to leave i think it's a plethora of things and i think that you know china to taiwan issues happens to be one of them. But keep in mind, Apple's got into its own manufacturing process or into its own process of its own uh, silicone-based chips. Um, But it makes sense for them to go elsewhere to essentially create the same product, but also bring down their their marginal costs and their variable costs lower so that way essentially they can improve profit margins. And I'm probably suspecting that they're not gonna completely leave China. I think that they're gonna probably move some of that capacity over to somewhere else or keep the capacity in its existing location, but create other new products that are supposed to be coming down the pipeline somewhere else because of the fact that, again, it's cheaper to create there and you already have those multi-year contracts established in China. So again, if you ever get a chance, I know that Visual Capitalist once upon a time had it where they had an infographic showing you all the different places of where Apple products come from. But at the same token, since Apple has started to really take ESG seriously, mm-hmm. you started seeing that they recycled a lot of its material, a lot of its products. They're also getting into the recite into the renewable of raw materials. So as as you, you know, as you trade in a phone, that phone goes into a machine and gets recycled, and then it gets shipped off somewhere else, and then it gets it gets pretty much recreated into something new. It's kind of crazy, but it happens. I mean, if you look at, let's say, you know, it's no secret that now you're starting to see the iPhone SE starting to take shape and form and fashion of what the iPhone 10, you know, pretty much uh, milestone looks like. Because everything after the iPhone 10 or the iPhone X, pretty much it looks the same with the full screen with the notch. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense in the sense of pretty much a supply chain in the sense of moving some of that over 
so that way you can you know relieve yourself of some of those costs Zip. oh and then we just got to get this out this is more of a um hot take thursday kind of topic but so we have um we have some former engineers pleading guilty to divulging or stealing rather uh trade secrets about uh apple's very you know top secret hush hush uh automobile division yeah um and so with that and i think one maybe i think one is a, a chinese national i think another one's maybe <laughs> shocker don't let me get to lie <laughs> let me make sure what is it what is an ip tra- like you know one of the things about doing business over there in china is ip transfer and that's a huge that could be somewhat of a huge you know sore for a lot of tech-based companies and that's one of the things that was really a huge issue because of the fact that a lot of ip gets stolen and then remanufactured and then essentially sold for cheaper and especially since you know china is definitely trying to make a significant move or a lot of chinese companies are trying to make a significant move into the eb auto space so in a competitive space like that you know taking trade secrets and everything else or just taking blueprints or anything any material from a company it's like that can be very much so altering and you're talking about you know billions of dollars if not over the long term you're talking about trillions of dollars so that matters big time okay yeah so so should we look at so we examine the chart real quick yeah okay so one of the things in looking at apple's uh chart was the fact that we kind of reached the top here um and we kind of got rejected Oh, sorry. We we reached the 176.15. Thank you for that correction, um, where we essentially got rejected. I think the next time that we go up to challenge that, I think that we're going to probably take off from there. But again, there's a lot of factors that come into play. Um, a lot of folks are looking at, like, which we're going to get into a little bit, which is the Federal Reserve. But I think that also, here's the other part to it. If you look at the current rate as it pertains to Apple's P.E. ratio, so if I can find it here somewhere um darn one of the things about using trading view is the fact that it's you know not always where you want to see it but i mean if you can i think that the number is probably at around 27 28 as it pertains to a pe ratio um and that's pretty high especially where we are currently in the economic cycle of things so I think that that's also where the valuations got where the where the stock got a little bit overstretched within the short period of time. Um, but one of the things is, like I've always said, Apple is one of those companies that leads the entire market, not only just the Dow Jones, but the S&P 500 as well as the Nasdaq. I mean, imagine if you have Apple sitting here close back up, almost close to running up towards those highs again. Um, again, one of the things that I would say is pay attention to this company because it will tell you a lot about U.S.-based companies, especially the tech space, which is the leader of the S&P 500. But where we got to this point, I think that I think that Apple represented at this point at this valuation and at that P/E ratio, I think that it had represented I think 7.6 percent of the of the total S&P 500. So that's major. When you think about it, like Apple alone is probably worth, you know, what is it, you know, just about the same as the industrial sector combined, or say, for example, if you if you put a few sectors together, it's the equivalent of, you know, multiple sectors if you bunch them together. So something like that to put into perspective into your headspace of why the stock has probably taken a breather alongside with treasury yields also starting to spike up above three, uh, spike at a 3% yield. Um, which, of course, that doesn't really do well for the tech sector. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't really think it's going to have a strong uh, foothold on, on that sector. But that's just my long-term view. Okay. Now for um, Netflix. Yep. So this is one thing. I think it was it was definitely on a hot take Thursday where mm-hmm. you were basically – just you had a you had to have a sit down come to jesus talk about uh net you know netflix and what what they were doing and i guess emphasis on what they weren't doing or what they could be doing um and one of the things you brought up was gaming and that was a while ago and yeah. so you know now they're they're make, being more public about you know getting into the gaming streaming um 
error. So it's just going to be tough for them. It's just going to be tough for them in the beginning, you know, and the reason why it's going to be tough for a company like Netflix. I mean, as you can see, the, the stock has been completely crushed um, throughout this year. I mean, it's trying to find some type of footing. I mean, we're back at the, we kind of like came back as, as a support level all the way back to the, the 2017. This is again, we're seeing stocks that are, that are being hammered the most. Look at their DNA. They're all like the certain DNA of companies when you see them back at their 2017 levels or what they were five years ago, that's mm -hmm. telling you something. Um, and so now, well, I guess now we're at 2018 level. So it's like almost within a quarter, we're going up by say, for example, levels of the year. Um, but all jokes aside, I mean, I think that Netflix, you know, showed its cards too late. And on top of that, again, it's like, it's one of the worst times to be coming into the gaming space or to really be flourish or to try to thrive within a space that has kind of gotten a little bit exhausted due to, you know, the pandemic and everything else. Now, all in all, I mean, again, I'm going to say that for a company like Netflix, sit tight. Do I believe that, am I in the camp that's saying that, you know, Netflix is, you know, best days are behind it? I don't think so. I think that, you know, if I had to make a choice of companies in which uh, streaming companies that are going to probably face the music before Netflix, mm -hmm. I would probably say my, I would probably bet on Hulu being one of the, Hulu? yeah, Hulu, um, because of the fact that they're part of that whole Disney bundle, I would see that they would probably just become unraveled and then essentially just really just become Disney plus instead of just having Disney plus and then having Hulu and then ESPN plus, which doesn't really quite make any sense to me, but Hey, God bless. I understand that they're within the live TV space, but again, uh, you know, doesn't really doesn't really do it for me. What I like about what Netflix is doing is the fact that you know, when, whenever you're taking any such great undertaking, mm -hmm. um, it's gonna take time. You know, like the good old Chinese proverb says, "All great things take time." And so, they, the beautiful thing about them is is that they have a lot of intellectual, you know, titles within their stable that they have acquired. Now, mind you, everybody got so mad about Netflix. And one of the things that I would harp on them about is there is a consistent spending on lots of content. But now what they can do with that content that they've now acquired and now that's a part of their IP, they can now turn those into titles and then start putting those on PlayStation platforms, Xbox platforms, PC platforms, along with streaming through the cloud. So all is not lost for a company like Netflix. I think the thing is, it's just that, you know, this is a time where we typically see that gaming is kind of like at a low period. If you notice, a lot, for my gamers out there, you understand the narrative that's going around. You see a lot of games out there that are being delayed till 2023. So in that light, I would give Netflix the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, let's see what the company looks like next year. Let's see what they can come up with next year around the same time that we expect other game titles to literally come to the forefront. Now, if Netflix can also be at that forefront with some of those gaming companies, then you'll probably see somewhat of a slight turnaround within the stock for sure. But if they can't, now one of the things that I will say is EA and Ubisoft, man, if Netflix is to acquire one of those two companies or if they're able to acquire both of those camps, look, the space could look completely different. So like I said, all is not lost for this company. Question. Why, why haven't we seen, um, or maybe, I, maybe I just haven't seen it, but so I'll just say, why haven't I seen, um, more expansion into international offerings? And I say that because, um, when I had to go and hook up the IPTV so that my husband can watch Manchester United games, um, it was so difficult wading through all of the potential providers yep. um and then trying to find one that was compatible with the yep. tv and you know the the shortcut app and all that so what is the reason yeah. why we don't see just that ease because it'd be great to turn on netflix it's licensing or... it's okay. the licensing why not you know, spend money like... there though was it that expensive? Look, I, I'm, I, I don't sit on the board of a Netflix, mm -hmm. but, you know, here's if, if anybody from Netflix is paying attention to what I'm saying. And I know that there are cousins in here that that work at the wonderful company of, you know, Big Red, a.k.a. Netflix. Mm -hmm. I know that gaming is one of those things on the forefront, but one of the things that you should be paying attention to, and it kind of like speaks to what we saw over the past weekend over the Pro-Am, uh -huh. when LeBron James went to the, you know, the 
Am yeah, I let's go. We're not. Let's, let's not talk. Let's not talk about it. But like okay. stuff like Drew League and all those other things. Uh-huh. There's a there's a huge market of folks that want to watch like maybe amateur sports and pro am sports. That would be a space and would be very very interesting if a company like Netflix stepped into that space where now you get to see not only just like you know you know your typical mainstream sports, but it also brings out other sports as well. Um, and it provides such a platform for them. So that way it's like you can link certain things together. Um, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of levers that this company can pull. It's just a question mm-hmm. of, will they do it? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the thing that like, it's not that they can't do it. It's the question of, will they do it? I mean, that's the thing. When you look at any other company, when you look at every company, actually, a lot of times people only pay attention to what is it that their current revenue drivers are. And those things, it's like after a while, they get stagnant. But in order to keep things fresh, you got to always think about what's the next vertical integration? Where, where can we go on the next S-curve? And if anybody can get it, I would probably say Netflix can do it because of the fact that they've done it before. Going from DVDs to then streaming. And then now trying to get into gaming and cloud as well as mobile through the Netflix platform. I think that there's other opportunities and levers in which that they can pull. And it's not to say that they haven't done it before. It's just a question of, will they be able to buy in? And if the leadership is struggling where it's gotten a little bit too stale there, then that could be a challenge for the company. Mm. Mm. All right. Let's transition to some questions because we had some. All right. Um, Wow. Okay. We're not going to answer that question. Okay, while, so while, we're wait, while we're waiting on the question, I would just say, like, you know, because I know people are like, well, hey, Mark, well, what do we still have this chart on our screen? So I would say, you know, now that we've seen Netflix kind of like come up to oh, this yeah, next level and kind of yeah. like fill this gap and then come back down, I would be looking to see if this it, and filling the gap up to the 230, 240, well, really 250 level for Netflix. And now that it's back down to, I think, of a level 224. So I would look to see if it can actually hold its footing between the 220 and the 224 and 220 range. If it can hold there, then essentially then there's some then there are some signs there that maybe that the selling is is a little bit overdone and that anything moving forward, given that they've already I think they've already given us guidance. I think that we're ready to move on, though that earnings is coming up soon. Again, I would be looking to see exactly like, OK, hey, well, you know, what is it that they're working on this year? This year may probably be a wash for Netflix. But if you're putting, if you're starting a position on some of these companies, because they're still great companies, it's just that they're going through rough patches. And it's like for anybody that says, well, we don't see any of these other companies that you talk about do that. Au contraire. Tesla's gone through it. Apple's gone through it. Microsoft has definitely gone through it where for a long period of time, they weren't even relevant. They just sat there stagnant within a portfolio. They didn't really cause a lot of noise. And on top of that, they didn't really do any significant damage. And then all of a sudden change of leadership and everything changed. So Again, it's not to say that they're a, a completely damaged company. They're just mm-hmm. a damaged stock right now. Well, and there's a great episode on our channel with that title, yeah. Damaged Stock <laughs> versus Damaged Company. Um, and speaking of other things that are on our channel, Mark, we had a lot of questions that were from, like I said, this week um, and the part of last week, there's been questions in the in my DMs at least about things that... Um, that I can tell it's like a new trader. They're like beginner questions, which is great. Welcome, welcome. Um, we have the starter pack uh, playlist on our channel and you can take a look at that to kind of get started. So it provides context and background so that you can um, build up your foundation knowledge base first um, before you know trading and things like that. So definitely start there. Um, and also tune in to um supplemental Sundays um because that also goes deeper into the topics that we cover here in the come up series yes. um that's live at five is it 5 30 or five o'clock I think it's 5 30. okay 5 30 okay on Sundays and yeah start there so everyone that had those earlier questions like those are fantastic places to start you know link arms with some of the other cousins um the you can look up come up cousins on facebook and get in where you fit in you know link arms with someone and get form your um groups to like study and start breaking this stuff down especially with um some of the og cousins out there so i just want to take a moment to point that out like to look at the channel for um resources 
Will Microsoft help Netflix with their gaming? I mean, it's possible. I mean, Microsoft has gotten more so into the open source, so they're peeling back the curtain. Um, and, you know, again, but again, it's like, I think that they're slightly different right now, for all I know. But again, you know, I could see that there could be a bridge in between where Netflix could literally work with Microsoft or a place or Sony to create exclusive titles for um, or license that license the, the material, just like how Sony does it with Spider-Man series, though, that, you know, Disney wants to own it, but it's technically owned by Sony. Um, so you could possibly see some you could possibly see some things that go through. Um, it just depends upon how is it that they want to finesse the deal. Okay, and then there's some questions. Okay, so earlier we talked about like you know the time right now, mm -hmm. things are slow, blah, blah blah. Okay, so what are what types of catalysts will it take to get the party popping? <laughs> well, I mean, what didn't help the party was the fact of the Fed meeting notes, which. I mean, honestly, it was no surprise to everybody. It's like, you know, the thing that never ceases to fail is mm -hmm. that when you're getting meeting notes, it's something that took place from a month ago that we've already lived. And now we're just having to read the rerun. Mm -hmm. It's like watching Game of Thrones, by the way. Great. New, uh, oh, I didn't. Did you watch? I saw it. Okay. But, <laughs> um, and well done. Well done. Uh, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, go ahead and throw that up in the chat. Um, but... Also, the interesting thing is everybody's waiting on the Fed. Like there's been a lot of there's been a lot of hoopla built up towards the Jackson Hole event where everybody expects Fer, uh, Fed Chairman Powell through the symposium to speak. And that should provide a lot of color. Some folks are in the camp of saying that we expect another 75 basis point rate hike, which is, I mean, kind of like unreal. Um, in my book, the, the fact that we're in a year where we see two 75 basis point rate hikes at such uh, ridic ridiculous speed. Um, but again, it's like it's all eyes on what Fed Chairman Powell has to say. And I think that that's what the market is waiting on. There are talks about like the Nasdaq, you know, there's a 10 percent move uh, expected based upon what it hears from Fed Chairman Powell and an 8 percent move from, let's say, the within the S&P 500. Funny fact, Jolyn, 8% mm -hmm. from here of where the S&P currently is. Do you know where that would place the S&P 500? Where? It would place it at 4,600. Almost said 45. Okay, 46. Okay. <laughs> some, some folks are definitely in the camp of thinking that the S&P 500 goes all the way back down to 3,500. You know, you got folks like from uh, like Jeremy Siegel that are saying that, you know, pretty much you know, the selling is pretty much overdone and now we're restarting the bull market run. I think that what we did was we kind of topped out. And I think the thing to look at, I guess, let me go ahead and pull up the S&P 500 yeah, uh, record. So here we have the S&P 500. And as you can see here, I still have that long-term trend that's here. Let's not pay attention to the buy sell volume because that doesn't really matter. And I'm going to actually get rid of the volume because at this point it doesn't really matter either. Um, but you know, well, let me bring that back. It does slightly matter because what you see here is that you're starting to see that the selling is starting to subside and essentially that the volume isn't as heavy as it once was. So, but again, take that with a huge grain of salt because of the timeline and where we're at. But one of the things that we're starting to see is this, we're, we're still along this trend line and we're still within the long-term bullish trend line here over the long-term period, um, which I drew out from here, if you want to look at the US 100 over US 500, what where is I started it off for everybody. So if, if I look at it from here on the S&P 500, that's about 1818 okay. all the way to where we kind of like hit the bottom in June. Uh, and that's pretty much June 14th where we bottomed out. And that was at the level 3631. And then since then, we've kind of like just moved up to the upside, kind of like indicative of what you see with Apple. So again, we kind of topped out here uh, where we got rejected from the level of 43, I think it was like 43.16 and or 43 and some change. And then again, we came back down. So again, I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of like rest here. And I technically wouldn't be surprised if we also rally tomorrow. But again, it's like all eyes are really looking for the Fed. So of course, if we're using uh, trading view though, that I wish, you know, I actually brought up bar chart first because it would have given me a lot more insight. 
um, especially when we talk about PE ratio for the S&P 500 and many other things, it would have told me that pretty much we got a little bit overstretched. So if I literally go here and pull up on my indicator of relative strength index and pull it up here on the screen, as you can see, we had got all the way up to about a 72 in the RSI. Now, anybody that remembers in RSI levels, when you get to about the, what is it, the 70 levels, then that's letting you know that we're oversold or we're overbought. And then when we get to levels of 30, we're oversold. And show enough, around June 14, we were oversold in the S&P 500, where the RSI was pretty much around a 31. And then again, here we are right now at a 49. So we've definitely come up off of those highs significantly where we had that steep drop. So I would be looking to see exactly if we rebound from here. But again, Friday is the day where we really look at and see what takes place moving on from here. And like I said, all eyes are on the Fed. Yeah, so it's all about what the Fed said. Um, yes. I, didn't, I didn't have to sing it this time. So we already know that the Fed is one of the things that they do is, you know, keep inflation in check. So there was an article on, Apple, on one of my Apple News uh, feeds and uh, the Fed's cash card says his biggest fear is inflation will be more persistent. So, yeah. given can I give you can I give you my can I give you what my, yeah. my what I think is going to happen? Your hot take? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so I think the Fed will definitely raise rates going into early 2023, so around March 2023. But then after that point, I think that we're going to probably start to see where the Fed backs off. Um, and then we could probably be seeing if we're in a recession that opens up the door for quantitative easing. I think the thing to watch out for as we move forward, looking at the quantitative tightening. But here's the thing that a lot of people aren't paying attention to is what the Treasury is doing. So mm. I'm not going to tell you guys I want I want you guys to go and do some homework because, you know, me, I love to send you away with some homework. But look at what the tre the United States Treasury did around the same time that quantitative easing had come to its end. Look at some of the look at some of the tools that they started to, you know, run forth on their side of the table as we started to see that the Fed was backing off. It will actually start to give you some interesting insight. It's, you know, it's oddly riveting, but again, I would I would probably suspect that we probably get to a point of maybe a 3, 3.25 um, mm -hmm. as it pertains to the rate um I don't know if I can get to, if I can truly put my hand on a three and a half, but though it's possible as it pertains to Fed funds rate. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I, I do suspect that we will have some rate hikes moving forward, though that I will say, you know, I'm on the lookout to see if we get another month of showing us that uh, core inflation has started to slow down or it started to normalize or stabilize. Um, not saying that we're just going to immediately just drop, but more so in the sense of a precipitous drop where it's like, okay, hey, we've started to flatten out. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to now. For all we know, we can see like, you know, and Chuck said it best, you know, things like food and energy, they fluctuate. But one of the other things to look at, though, is that a lot of folks aren't paying attention to is rent. You know, rent, I think, or, you know, mortgage and rent probably takes up, what is it, 30% of the entire inflation. Uh, inflationary data. So seeing exactly how those numbers start to stabilize, do we start to see those numbers start to come down or are they just here to stay? And like you said, also certain things within inflation, they start to normalize. So which means that if like the economy gets to a place where it's expected to consistently keep paying, keep paying at specific prices, then you can see that these prices are here to stay, but the economy will ultimately, I always say equilibrium always establishes its, itself. So which means that we'll start to see that the market starts to rebalance and it's literally gets it starts to develop a new normal. Um, we've seen this over the course history of time where it, it just always repeats itself. Um, so I'm, I'm in the camp of that of where we raise rates all the way into early 2023. And then as we get towards mid 2023, we kind of start to fall back on the rates and maybe even have some rate cuts um because of the fact that target has been you know reached and on top of that we see that inflation has started to die back um and on top of that i think that if we do find ourselves in a recession the fed will start to prepare itself for some quantitative easing 
Okay, so as we are getting ready to close out, well, almost, Q3, moving into Q4, um, and historically, I feel like Q4 has been a great time for me, <laughs> historically. So the question is, what do investors, what what, what should we be looking um, for moving forward into um, as Q3 wraps up and we're moving into Q4, given what we know today and all the context? Can you still believe it? We're in, we're still within the earnings phase. Like, it's so funny uh, where, <laughs> where we get to this point and then it's like, all right, well, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, if we think about it, it's like as soon as the earnings cycle ends, like maybe two to three weeks later or two weeks later, it's like earnings is starting all the way back up again. So now that we've like kind of like seen the worst and here's the thing to keep in perspective. When we look at earnings, like a lot of folks thought that earnings were going to be completely dog crap. And and to some degree, some of those companies are. But when you look at the overall S&P 500, we're still at double digit growth. I think we're at S&P 500 at 10 percent growth as it pertains to earnings. And then on top of that, when we look at like a lot of the companies that are within like the major caps, you know, a lot of them are still doing just fine. And again, it's like a lot of folks were expecting single digit to literally no earnings growth. So that trend has been bucked. A lot of folks are like, okay, hey, it wasn't what we thought it was going to be, just like we didn't think that inflation was going to run this high. Well, people didn't think that earnings were going to be this good or we're going to be able to sustain. So now the question is, as we get into this part, and if, if inflation is starting to flatten, not literally alleviate, but start mm-hmm. to flatten, then we could be starting to see, you know, really that changeover and where the narrative definitely starts to change. So here are the things that I'm looking at. Definitely watch the euro uh, versus the dollar. I mean, you're easily going to be watching that because really when we think about global eco- economics, Europe is significantly rocked because of what's happening to Germany. So... Mm-hmm. Those are things that people want to pay attention to. If the dollar still stays high and still runs rapid, then that's not good for U.S. equities, especially tech stocks. Because one of the things that you'll get that you'll hear about is foreign exchange issues across the board. Now, as we saw with Microsoft's earnings with foreign exchange issues, it wasn't as bad as everybody thought it was going to be. I mean, it did take a hit, but at the end of the day, it's still Microsoft. And the same thing can be said about Apple. It just means that you just have to adjust your expectations just by a smidge. so there's that part. Um, of course, commodities like oil uh, and gas definitely play a role, but that's why I mentioned, you know, euro and over the dollar. Um, another thing that I would watch is treasuries. Uh, a lot of folks are paying attention to the U.S. T- two-year over the 10. Now, if this, if the interesting thing is, we're starting to see that the 10-year is starting to creep up. But I think that one of the things that a lot of folks didn't pay attention to was that the two-year was also dropping on the yield, but yet the yield on the 10-year started to rise. So pay attention to that one. But the interesting thing that nobody really talks to is the three month has little and the 10 year have literally started to create a much more significant gap from each other. I like that because that's letting me know that maybe those recession fears aren't that heavy. Now, of course, that's just a technical read. So, of course, you have to go with the true economic data. And so, again, everybody's looking to see, you know, exactly what is it that the Fed, especially Fed Chairman Powell, what is it that you guys have up your sleeve? I'll tell you this. If the Fed comes off as dovish, you know, it, honestly, that literally reinvigorates what this market had kind of like suspected. And essentially, you will probably still see somewhat more of the rally continue. Of course, measured because of the fact that we're also within an election cycle. But then once when we leave this election cycle, the market literally gets over that uncertainty. Now, here's another thing, another data point, uh, Jolynn. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at what took place with, let's say, the, and this is not political, but it's just showing you an interesting data data point where we saw, like, Republican lead was at 17% over, di- over the Democratic Party. Now the Republican lead over the Democratic Party is, I think it's like 4% as it pertains to projected lead. So now we're starting to see those numbers come in a little bit much more closer, a lot more closer. So those are things that the market is also going to start playing into perspective as we get closer towards October. So there's a lot to watch, but the more that the uncertainty starts to come off the table and the companies are still going to be the companies, they're still going to be who they are. 
but over a period of time, they'll be just fine. The reason why I didn't throw up Tesla on there because of the fact that I still expect that Tesla is going to grow at 50% growth. Um, and I also expect that, you know, we're going to hear pretty good things. I got an email about my Cybertruck order, so I'm pretty excited about that one, saying that, okay, hey, the things are still pretty much on schedule. Um, the other things that I'm looking at and I'm, hinting, I'm hearing hints about that, that there could be another product release uh, coming to close to the end of the year, as well as another Gigafactory. I'm hoping that it's in uh, Canada, but there's a lot of things that are definitely transpiring. So just a recap for everybody, you know, pay attention to, of course, what's happening in the economic landscape, but then at the same token, you know, examine exactly how strong are those companies that you're interested in, examine how strong are their business models. And remember this, whatever you're seeing taking place right now, it's already been done. It's already been baked in. So what you're seeing the stock price in is like, this is what, you know, analysts have thought about like literally a year ago. So now what we're focused on is the next 12 to 18 months. So really start preparing yourself and start looking at and getting an idea of where these companies can be over the next 12 to 18 months. Because what you're seeing today is pretty much indicative of what somebody has already projected. So, so speaking of projections, do you have any um, for NVIDIA as their earnings are tomorrow? I think that NVIDIA's earnings are going to come a little, like they already expected that their earnings are going to come in light. But I think that the, though that their earnings are going to come in light, I don't think it's going to be as bad as everybody suspects that it is. Um, I think that also um, things to, pre to prepare yourself mindset wise, NVIDIA's prices have been dropping for its 30 series cards across the board. Now that's just within their, you know, PC, you know, their PC and gaming space because of the fact that crypto mining um, has, that has kind of like subsided. So we see a lot more inventory still sitting here in the market, which is good for consumers because now they can buy at decent prices. Mm -hmm. um, but in moving forward, I would be very, very interested to see what those data centers and what that, what their artificial intelligence and enterprise level clients look like and seeing if that can kind of cover the load. Um, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if also their sales come up a little bit, but the reason why their prices are dropping is because they're also getting ready to have another product release them and AMD. They're getting ready to release new products. So I would suspect that those prices for the 30 series are dropping because the 40 series is coming out. And I would probably suspect that we're going to hear about that, uh, around their earnings. So I suspect that, you know, honestly that, you know, it's either going to be not, not as good as we expect it to be, but at the same token, it's not going to be broken. And this company is not going anywhere. Well, we know that. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. So in our final less than 60 seconds, what do you have anything else that you want? Anything that was like that you were thinking earlier that just, we, it just didn't make it to the production floor. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, like for a lot of folks out there, especially when you're looking at it as it pertains to a long-term thesis, stay the course. I mean, you know, opportunities like this, you know, don't come very often. So again, it's like the market has given out gifts. So it's like, you know, take advantage, you know, don't be scared to step in, you know, into a market, especially if you're thinking long-term focus, you know, if you're a trader, then of course you have to be, you have to trade a little bit more carefully. Um, but yeah, I, I would say don't be too spooked by the market because at this point in time, you know, the worst of the worst of what we've already heard has already been said. And then now we're going to get to that point where it's like, okay, hey, will people really stop caring about what they're hearing because of the fact that they already know it. Like people already hear about the inflation story. But now, like, think about it. Look at the things that are starting to control the news airwaves now. It's not the same of what it was four months ago. The, the same things that plagued the market are still here. So those are the things that I would definitely say pay attention to. Um, shout outs to our friends at Bar Chart, though, that I feel horrible that I couldn't do the charting tonight on today's episode. But I will be doing a Twitter Spaces tomorrow after uh, I think I think after market close, I'll be doing a Twitter Spaces with Bar Chart um, talking about like some pretty cool things that I'm that I'm seeing and maybe even go in depth and maybe answer some questions out there um, and just give a little bit more in depth some of my thoughts. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Like outside of that, y'all have a wonderful week. <laughs> yes. It's dinner time. <laughs>
it's factor time for me. So, um, yes. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for watching. We really, really appreciate you for just giving us the time on your screen to be able to share some knowledge, some insights with you. We look forward to doing this again next week. So be kind, keep learning, keep researching, because the more you learn, the more you earn. Until next time, I am Mark Monroe. And I'm Jillian GC in the place to be. And this has been your come up. Thank you for watching the app. If you like today's episode, go ahead and hit the like button, subscribe. And on top of that, go ahead and hit that bell. We will see y'all in the next one. Peace, y'all.